Hey, Brian. Hey. Gotti Jr. here. Hello. And uh, I have Jason Rona with me, about a thousand miles south of me here. Hey, Jason. What's going on, man? And it'll work day. You're not at the RC track? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, if I went closer and it was in town, it wasn't three hours away, I might be there. Yeah. Ooh, you could three hours. Wind down, wind down a day at an RC track. <laughs> yeah, the closest track to me, well, actually, I've got three, but they're all, I think the closest one's two and a half hours away. Um, called PNT Hobbies. But yeah. Nothing, nothing local anymore. No, same here in Pennsylvania. There's just nothing. LCRC. Okay. Probably about the closest to me. That's about hour and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But there used to be Did, all these uh, little tracks everywhere. Now they're just disappeared. Right. Yeah. I mean the one we. Yeah. I mean yeah. It was. Uh, well, the, it was funny. The one we started on was an old grocery store in the bad end of town. Uh, went there every weekend as a kid. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, you yeah, know, Columbus has always been a pretty local like place where it kind of brought everybody together around here. All the good racers, anyway. So that's that's the one that's still around. There's actually two tracks up there, so uh, it's always a good place to go. Yeah, I used to travel around. I don't know if you remember. You know, you remember Brian Roder? I probably should. But anyway, yeah, me and Brian Roder used to travel around, and I would see you at some of these races there. So back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So you started. Uh, tell us when you when you started about this uh, this track. You said you used to go to all the time. When was uh, when did you start there, and when was that? Well, I think that was like 1989. I want to say maybe 90. I was um, no, it was t- no, I was 10. So I had to be. Gosh, no, I guess it was 87. Um, Dad, you know, got me a car for Christmas, and it wasn't that good of a car. And he noticed that I'd picked up on it, liked it, and I think I'd drove in the street so much that, you know, he had to buy parts for it and stuff. So he started looking into better looking, you know, better cars or more durable. And I had an uncle who lived in Florida um, and he, he was actually into it a little bit. He had a grasshopper and I think they, you know, kind of talked about how he was going to sell his grasshopper. So dad just went ahead and bought that off of him and surprised me for Christmas one year. And we started taking that to the track. Um, you know, the one that we had here in town that he found and, um, Went there just for practice on Tuesdays. He'd pick me up after school. We'd go over there. <laughs> Our parents were separated, so it's something we did together, you know, growing up. So he'd, he'd pick me up, and we'd go there practice after school and uh, on Tuesdays. And I think we did that for a year before he really turned me loose on the weekends to go racing. Um, I think that at the time they would have, like, dirt oval. So we went and did dirt oval and realized quickly that the grasshopper was not as competitive as the full drive cars that were going. I think at the time it was, like, the Hotuma Mid. Yep. That ended up being my, my second car. So we started racing that. And I think from there we got pretty hooked. I mean, it was uh, it, it was funny because there were actually, at the time, actually, once that track got take, was taken off, there were other tracks around. There was a carpet track and there was a another dirt off-road. Let's see. No, there was, an, there was a carpet track and there was an oval track maybe 45 minutes away. And the track that we raced on here in Louisville um, went from an oval to a dirt off-road. So we kept the same car, and we would race it three nights a week. So, you know, once we got into it, we were racing three nights a week. We raced on Wednesdays on the carpet track with the Optima Med, and it was two-wheel drive class. And we'd race two-wheel drive stock, foam tires, just lower the suspension, take out the front dog bones, and we'd run that. And um, we would earn, earn race bucks. 
and we would earn race bucks there. We would earn, you know, everybody was giving out race bucks back then, so you had, you know, money to buy stuff in the hobby store. And then we'd take it, we'd race off road, put the dog ones back in the front, race four wheel drive modified on the off road track, and then we'd also, um, I guess he would lower it back down, and we had just another set of tires. I think there were octographs. We ran those on the the dirt oval track in Radcliffe. Just put a full body on it with the side wing, and ran that one other day of the week. So it was like I think Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So we were running the same car at all the places, and I would actually win at these places and win enough race bucks. And we ended up we ended up purchasing like a twelve scale, and then like a, a you know a ten scale on road car as well like a pan car or something like that. So we're racing all these cars, you know, three nights a week. And, in, and during that time and all that practice, wheel time is when I discovered my talent and, you know, was able to kind of go out of town at that point and, uh, you know, kind of sort of making a name for myself. I mean, I mean, this kind of answers like at least two of the questions that, <laughs> that people asked was, you know, how, you know, how do you recommend practicing and how do you recommend getting better and i think you pretty much just described it <laughs> yeah i don't think at the time i even knew what was going on there but for, for racing all those different tracks and yeah. you know that many times a week you know that was really really sharpening up my talent and i can't say right out of the box i was one of those guys that hit the track and was great you know i mean i've saw guys i think one of them really stands out in my mind was so rap tab mm-hmm. you know he was like he just came on the scene and bam, he was like great, you know, really good. Uh, and there's been a few of them throughout the years that just, you know, they just pick up the radio and they were off and running. And it took me, you know, like you said, a year of practice <laughs> at the track and then, you know, all that. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, obviously just more wheel time. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it, it's, it sounds like a broken record all the time because people always ask, and, you know, and everyone's like, well, you got to practice and you got to practice. But I mean, you just basically described exactly what you have to do if you want to get really good, um, whether you consider yourself talented when you start or if you are sort of borderline, uh, there's just no replacement for that wheel time. I think what's cool now, too, is I hear about these guys that race these um, – they get the video game, right? The v, Is it VRP or something like that? Yeah. You can hook up your actual controller to the game. And I've never played it, but I've heard it's made better drivers out of people. There's a guy here in our region that uh, – his name's Matt Klein, and uh, mm-hmm. a buddy that I race with every week. And I, um, I race with a guy named Jason Grimes. He's from Louisville, and he travels with me out of town all the time now. And um, he's kind of the one that got me back into it, by the way. And I, I can talk about that here in a minute. But he said that uh, – you know, Matt Klein started racing that game and, and was just doing it, you know, a lot, maybe during the summer or whenever maybe people weren't racing that much and was ever, actually able to develop his talent doing that with that game. So that's interesting. They've got tools like that in place now. Yeah, I mean, that's a big that's a big thing. And, I mean, we've talked to people before that say that, you know, there's people that say it, it helps um, using that game. And if Matt has done that, um, you can see that it obviously um, – has helped him. And, you know, it does seem like he's also one of those kids that really, really likes it and has put in the work on the track, too. But, you know, if he claims that's helping, that's that's great, too. Right. And for being competitive as well. You know, that's all going to be driving you to go to the track each week. Um, you know, you're going to have a bad weekend here and there. And I also think it was also interesting looking back, you know, the you know, I always tell people when they start to struggle or they, you know, the the the, the and you might know this, Jason, from going up, but the process of getting fast, you know, one weekend you might be, 
you know, flawless. You're not wrecking or anything like that, but you're maybe not that fast. Well, the next weekend you start hitting a few good lap times, but you can't keep it together for a full race. And then all of a sudden you're, you're consistent at that level, but it's like certain plateaus you hit, but I always tell people, you know, if you, if you're consistent, then you start wrecking, you're getting faster lap times. If you're constantly getting a faster lap time, you're getting better, you know, and, and just kind of hang in there with it. You know, it's, it's, you're not going to be fast all of a sudden you're going to wreck. You're going to make, you're going to, you're taking risk around the track. And, um, you know, once, once you just got to stick with it each weekend, it's consistently try to get to that level that's comfortable. And when you're fast, everything will actually start slowing down for you and you'll hit those lap times on a, on a different level. After yeah. So, you know, after you kind of went through that, you realized that you were, you know, getting better or you had kind of a knack for it. When, when did it get a little more serious? How old were you then? And, and um, what kind of cars were you running? Um, so I went from the Optima Mid to, uh, I guess it was a low C. So the first, I tried to drive, I think someone had loaned me an associated car while I had the Mid. I was in, I raced four-wheel drive first. And then when I stepped into two-wheel drive, I raced this associated car, and I don't think it was that good. And I think I was racing a stick radio, now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> I didn't even graduate to a, a, a wheel, a pistol grip for a long time. And, um, but I, I drove this two-wheel, and I was like, man, I can't drive this two-wheel thing. It's so much harder. And then I drove somebody's Losey car at the track one weekend, Jason Schweitzer. Um, okay. He was a kid I grew up racing with. Uh, we, we, we went out of town all the time together. He was my, my race partner. And I drove his car, and it was, it was set up so much better, loved it, and Dad saw that I liked it. And I think I was, I don't know, 13, 14 at the time maybe. And he um, came out, you know, Christmas one year, that's what I opened up. I opened up a Pro SE. A low okay. And actually, that's where my color. I, I have. I've got orange and yellow, and black checkered colors, and it all. It all came from this shoe that year. That was. In, I think it was 1992. Carl Lewis had run the 100 meet, 100 meter, whatever, and his his shoe was that color. And Dad copied that color, and that's where he came up with our paint scheme. And it, that's the paint scheme that was sitting on the car when I when I opened up the Christmas gift. And we went racing with that, and that thing was just awesome. And so I was hooked on Losi ever since. Um, and I don't even know. Yeah, I guess we got a four. No, I think at the time the four-wheel drive that we got was a uh, was still a Kyosha, like a laser, I think. We went from a mid to laser. So we were still trying to race both of those. And I think the first big race we went to was in Cincinnati. That was like the Ohio State race. And that's where I ran into people like Dean Carnes and Skip, Skip Gear, Tony Hines. He was there at that race. Mm-hmm. Um, some guys called the Whitakers back in the day. And I got to see, you know, out-of-town experience. You know, it was an outdoor race. You were hooking up uh, chargers to – you're opening up the hood of your car, hooking up to the batteries on your car to charge your, your, your remote show car batteries and, um, you know, racing outdoor behind a hobby store. And they gave out big trophies at that race. That was awesome. And I don't, I don't even know if – I guess I made the main because I remember I did get a trophy, but I don't really remember how I did. Um, but experience of meeting all those people that I had no idea would be lifelong friends, you know, that was that was awesome to look back at. But the race, so we, so we noticed we did good out of town, and we got to know, you know, from those people, the other races that were in the region. And I think the race that really, the race that I remember the most, that when I got a call from Losi, you know, they actually called me and said, hey, we, we were interested in, in, in sponsoring you 50%. Uh, the race I came home from was up in Chicago, and it was Matt Ledger's track in Oswego, uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I'd gone up there and heard all, all this stuff about Matt uh, Ledger. And I, and, and I think at the time, him and um, John Kuntz, 
where two mm-hmm. guys from our region, John Coons raced Losi, uh, Matt Ledger raced Associated. They just come back from the Worlds where uh, Kenwald had just won. And I believe, I think that might have been the one that Joel Johnson TQ'd with the Losi car, maybe. Yeah, that and was at this the time, I think with this, Worlds. Yeah, the, right. Were you there? You might have been at that one. I wasn't there, but yeah, that's. I wasn't until, I didn't race the Worlds until, I guess it was your first Worlds, was probably Japan. Right, that would yeah, that would have been my. Like, I wanted to go the '93 Worlds, but I could not go. So, but yeah, that's that's yeah, those guys, Ledger, John Kuntz, um, yeah, awesome. So at the time, those were the only guys. I, I'd only seen those guys in magazines. You know, it was like oh, you know, my and again, my dad had always bought me these magazines, car action. I always knew what was going on reading these magazines. Umasami was, you know, the guy to beat and knew some things about Kenwald and then, you know, heard some things going around the region about those guys in our region. And I, I didn't really know that they were from our region. I'd see them in the magazine, but then, oh, wow, then I'll go to the race and see them. So obviously I'm, you know, a little nervous going up against these guys. But I think I ended up finishing, I think I beat Matt in one of the classes. But I remember it was like associated, you know, country up there. Oh, yeah. And I had a low seat and I was the only low seat that made the main. And so that really caught their attention. And I think Jack Johnson is the one that called dad. I remember... You know, I'd see my dad on the weekends because, again, my parents separated. I was going to school and, uh, you know, with my mother and stuff like that. So I came home, and he's like, you know, I guess, you know, Jack Johnson called us. But he's, he's offered us a 50% sponsorship with Losey. Um So that race always resonates with me. And I think from there, it was like, you know, I always just stayed with Losi. Um, I think the next big race that allowed me to move up to maybe like a factory driver or something like that was the race in uh, the Winter Champs in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I was actually leading, leading the truck main. I don't remember what I qualified, but I was leading the truck main. I think it was a triple A main. The first race I had maybe gotten a second, but the, the, the second, well, I, don't, I, remember, I don't remember which race it was, to be honest with you, I think back now, but I was leading this race by half a lap somehow. I mean, this thing was just working great. It was LXT, I think it was. <laughs> and I was running a seven cell and uh, I was running for Trinity at the time. And, um, I mean, I was just, I, my dad's got him a video actually. He videoed a, a lot of these races and I'm coming down the straightaway and the thing just dies. I guess the battery blew up or something. So, you know, it was enough for people to recognize, wow, you know, he's fast and most he was able to, then even without the win or whatever, say, okay, we're, we're going to put you on the travel team. But that race, uh, was another signature for me, and um, it's just unfortunate I didn't win. <laughs> At least the one of the classes, anyway. So, uh, what do you remember? What year that might have been? <sighs> Mid nineties. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be like around ninety-five or six, probably. I think it was after the Worlds in Japan. It must have been after the Worlds because at the time, I don't think. So maybe ninety-six, yeah. something like that. Something like that, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, then you started – it seemed like you started making more of the national level tour at that point, right? Right. Um, let's see. Yeah, because I remember – yeah, 96 and, of course, 97, I was uh, – I think after 97, I was making the – you know, I, let's see. 95 was my first Worlds. I think I made the D main or B main and two-wheel, four-wheel. I was – well, we're racing this Yokomo car that I just gotten, and I had no idea how to work. You know, I just didn't do very well in four wheel, but two well, I, I think it was the C or B. Um, and then, um, and then, so when I came back home, you know, 
was at it again, and then I'm trying to remember what the Nationals were like in '96. I don't even remember what those were. Do you? Was it maybe? Oh, that's the famous '96 Roar Nats in uh, Wagon Hill, in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's when Chris Bing won with a stock plastic beat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The car. You have no idea. Motor works. You have no yeah. idea how much this race comes up because Gotti and Kirby are from Pennsylvania and they were at that race. I was at that race. Now you were at that race. Chris Bing is their friend. Won that race. So this <laughs> race comes up all the time. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. So you know, Dean and I. That's when I would travel with Dean a lot too. But Dean Carnes and I, we went up there. I think for a race or a warm up or something. We you know, we had raced on that track already. I, I was already, you know, I was beating those guys. Um, yeah. And then, so then, for, so then to get up there, I, I just, I had a bad race at the Nationals. I don't remember exactly what happened, but Chris Bing was on point. I'm still, you know, I mean, we're friends. I'm, I'm still glad that he, he did that because it was just, you know, it really did turn a lot of heads and stuff. But, you know, you go up and look at his car. It was just so clapped out. And it was like, we're all running graphite parts. He's running plastic. You know, he's running for scooter. But I was like, who's that scooter? Um Mm-hmm. And and then you know and then and the fact that he was on top and I'm thinking man I beat this guy or you know I'm at least running with him a lot and he was just blowing everybody out of the water it was cool to see that but at the same time I was just like you know thinking this was going to be my race because it was in my region for the most part yeah yeah um, but right yeah and then I think let's see 97 then my you know kind of took off for me uh, worlds and the nationals were a pretty good were a pretty good run I think the nationals ended up getting second or third third maybe how many mm-hmm. Let's see. Was that 97? That's the one in Texas. No, I don't remember if I got... What was the 97 Nationals? I think that was the one in Texas. Um, I can't remember the name of the track. Um, but it was covered and it was like really hot there. I remember everybody complaining. About okay. It. <laughs> it was definitely yeah. hot and covered. Yeah. Oh, it was in Houston. I think it was yeah, in Houston. Yeah, that sounds right. It started with K&M. Was it K&M Raceway? Mm-hmm. Something like yeah, that. I think yeah, that right. sounds right. I always, I, that, I like that track. I always get a good look at that track. I remember Dave Montgomery won the truck nationals there too, and he was from our region. Yeah, Dave um, Montgomery. Remember him? Yeah. Hmm. So the, the the last time I went to a national there was in 2002. It was right before I moved to California, and um, this was interesting. But you know, when you win the nationals, you get your your car in the box and all that stuff, right? So it's a lot kind of run. I always thought that was pretty cool. And Tom Kinwall was, you know, the man. And uh, and then Matt Francis for the most part as far as Losey goes, and we uh, were going in the third ra- third round of, of mains, and I Genwald had had maybe a win, and he had a bad second race, but I had a decent, I think I had a second in the, I don't know, I had a second or something like that in the second round, and the last round, um, Mark, Mark Pavitas was up there, and they thought, well, Mark was going, they thought Associate was going to win the win the win the, the nationals. And so Matt stopped at the line and let Brian go by. Mm-hmm. And what it did is it made him tie me in points in our throwouts. Mine was worse. So if he wouldn't have made him stop, I would have won the Nationals that oh, year. Man. Um, but they had no idea I was in contingency as a Losey driver. Yeah, and I yeah I still give Matt Francis uh, shit about that. All the time. <laughs> but, uh, like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was another one that kind of slipped out of my hands. It's like, hey, I think um, there was like two or three years in a row there with the Nationals. I was always I finished almost podium in, in all of them, which was that was I thought that was a good run for me. That was good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that was amazing. I mean then we kind of build into this, um, basically the worlds 
in 97, I guess. I was just talking to Gotti about it before we called you, but that was probably – that has to be the highlight, I would say. I mean, just from the outside looking in, but that has to be your highlight in RC, I would think. Um, well, yeah, it was for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, it was definitely um, – you know, during that whole race, I, I, I came out there with my, my – I was able to come out travel with my, my longtime race partner, uh, Jason Schweitzer and Dean Carnes. We all came out there together. We we didn't stay with the team. We we stayed in a house that Dean's family member owned. We just played Mario Kart in between races. I mean, <laughs> awesome. that's all we did. So we were just sitting there. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but then we just sat there and tried to beat our ghost time, you know, the whole time. And mm-hmm. um, kind of disconnected from the team but had a great time together as friends. You know, it's guys. So it was a good time. And, and we go to the track, and that year they had come out with a new low-C car or like a prototype that they'd been testing and testing. So Gil was working a lot with Matt Francis, who I think um, had just switched to low-C. And then, of course, Ken Wald. Um, so those two had these prototype cars. And I think as a team driver, you're thinking, well, I'm kind of getting a back seat here to this new car that's out. I'm just going to keep running what I know. And at the time, I just showed up with some setup that I run at home all the time, which was a little different than everybody else's. I remember I was running a stiffer spring, different rear camera link. You know. And a lot of times when you go to these races, you're usually – everybody's trying to run the same thing. And you couldn't at that point because they were running prototype cars. You're kind of on your own. So yeah. I just really stuck with the, with the same setup that I brought. I just kind of stayed confident in it. I trusted it. It didn't seem that bad on the track. When we hit qualifying – I wasn't that. I wasn't really that fast. I wasn't that um, good. I just. Oh, I was, another thing too is I just started running for GM. Mm-hmm. So you know, Losi never won a worlds. I'm running for this company nobody's ever heard of, GM, which was a de- great, great company from Germany. It was just Todd Hodge and I running these electronics. I'm running this car now that seems like it's, you know, dated because they've got a prototype. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you're like, well, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do. But I'm just thinking my best shot. Um, so you want to qualify and you're a little slow. Four-wheel wasn't that good. Two-wheel was, was the best car I was going to have that weekend. Um, I barely made the main. I qualified ninth on the grid. And then Todd Hodge, he runs his he – you know, he didn't make the main, but we were team driving. He was going to help me out as best he could. He figured out something with the tires that was like, you know, I had to trust his instinct on this. But he said, you've got to do this. And he said, cut the bead off the rear wheel and just mount them like that. We were running like 2,000 X, X patterns or whatever. And he said, just run it like that, and I promise your car is going to be dialed. So I'd already run the first leg of, you know, the main, and he told me to do that. I said, you sure? This better work. He said, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> and I put that on, and he was right. And from there out, the last two reigns, you know, my car was amazing. And um, I, I still the same setup, just changed tires, and that, that, that was all I needed. And sure, you know, and the awesome thing about that race is, is LOC won their first world championship. I got to be a part of that. Um you know, finishing second, Pops Pops came up to me and said, "You know, even though you didn't win, he said you you were just as good as a win because we we solidified that you know Losi was the best because we could have had Brian win, but the fact that you got second really nailed it home." I was like, "Yeah, okay." Mm-hmm. And then the fact that GM had put that all their you know um, eggs in one basket with Todd and I, and I, I finished podium. You know, they were super excited. The other thing is my dad was there. You know, there's a video, that video that you can see on YouTube. My dad's on the podium, you know, uh, first thing you see when they kind of zoom in on the driver's stand. So it's cool, it's cool to see him there. My mom was there. My brother was there. My cousin was there. Wow. Um, I had um, my aunt. Yeah, I had a lot of family there, too. Yeah, that's this awesome. Happened, they all just happened to take a trip out there. So I could do that in front of all my family, and uh, it meant a lot. It really was. So uh, all those different things 
uh, kind of came together that weekend. It was really cool. And I mean, my recollection of that race, obviously, I mean, I had a, I had actually a very similar experience to you at that race. I I didn't get on the podium, but I think I got seventh or something. But, um, but I, you know, my family was there too, and I don't know what it was about that, but it's very similar to you, um, uh, your experience there. And I mean, I thought that was one of the greatest tracks I've ever ran on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was just a like the whole thing was just amazing. You remember? Yeah, it was uh, cool. I always I always liked outdoor tracks too, right? And it's kind of hard to keep one consistent and. You know, mm-hmm. obviously in California, there's no rain. You and I live in this side of the United States, so oh, rain can always be a factor. But we didn't have that. And uh, you know, Masami was there, and uh, you know, it just all the it seemed like everybody that was so good in the world was there. You know, for off road, it was it, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of uh, at that time too. I think that was sort of the the peak, or to the right, and just going over the peak of one ten scale off road. Um, that was probably where the whole thing kind of like that was to me was one of the highest points of 10 scale off road. And from there it, it kind of wasn't quite as the most popular thing going. Cause then touring car got going and nitro got going. And, um, but I think at that particular time, that was probably the height of 10 scale off road. Yeah. Yeah, now that you put it that way, uh, yeah, it, it really was because, yeah, I mean, it, it really started expanding after that. Um, like you said, with the t- turning car taking off and 8 scale. 8 scale had always been, always been around, but it was never that big, and then it took off. I think, you know, for whatever reason. Um, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it was – so from that standpoint, you know, def- definitely it was a key it, – it, it was a key event to be at. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've talked to several people that went there, uh, you know, guys that were from other countries, and every once in a while they'll send me photos. I'm sure you get that occasionally. And you know, it's like, man, I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> Was it kind of one of the first races that they, you know, documented the way they did? And they put, you know, they put that video, I know Trinity put that video together and stuff, but I didn't feel like up till then they'd really even put it, you know, um, put together a, a nice video like that and and had it um you know now you can preserve things on on youtube which you know back then there wasn't much of that going on either i think that's probably the the beginning of the youtube stuff i guess because that well i don't even know if they had youtube back then actually that's the only thing i can find on youtube myself really <laughs> but uh you know nowadays you can just google anybody and find all kinds of stuff and everything's documented so it's i guess it was kind of you know i'm, I'm really glad that they were able to document that way from my own you know personal um records yeah yeah, I mean, there's no question. And what I remember about that race is I remember it was the first race you could follow on the Internet. Oh, okay. um, like a live RC kind of thing. Yeah, I remember Jack Johnson set something up, um, and he was, you know, uh, and he was working kind of behind the scenes there at the ranch inside there, but he was able to – uh, do live updates and he had the scoring he was showing the scoring live on the internet right and i remember my friend jeff who lived in seattle uh, he was able to i remember 
keep up with the results because of that. And I remember that being like the first race that that was going on. That was like a big deal because it was like, you know how it was back then when you'd go to a race, nobody would know anything until you came home and then you unloaded all your stories, right? Right. What do you, I don't even think we had cell phones, did we? I mean, no. it was like, you know, you really had to wait. <laughs> yeah, you did. And then you would or unload you on if you don't if you if you're just a, a normal you know for just a a driver who didn't even know those guys you really had to wait for the magazines to come out to find out how the heck yeah. it went or you know or something yeah. like that. And that was how it was. And this race was I remember being one of the first ones where you could actually follow online and there were some things going on and I remember people you know talking to me my friend Jeff you know at night he'd be like oh I saw this happen and I'm like damn that's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were bringing up Jack Johnson. Um, man, I owe a lot to that guy. I, you know, he when I when I when I was coming up and I would go to races. I remember the first time I flew to California. You know, I guess you know when I was on the team and they were offering to, to pay for some travel and stuff like that. And I came out to I think the first track I went to out there was in Garden Grove. Do you remember what that track was called in Garden Grove? Yeah, that's the SoCal. The SoCal Raceway. Was, yeah. That was just that was I couldn't believe that. I mean, yeah, I that was heaven. I was like, oh that my was god, heaven. that's like these guys do this every day because we thought really everybody there on the site around the United States had to wait to the weekend to race for the most part. <laughs> but these guys were this is what they did all day long. I'm like I don't know, I'm like I don't know who's paying for this stuff, but they're doing this all day long. And uh, you know, you know, watching Brian, he'd just sit there in his little throne, <laughs> and all these people would be around him, getting him coffee and donuts and everything <laughs> like that. And I was like, Golly, that's I want to exactly, be him. That's exactly <laughs> how it was. It was, and um, I think Mike Weed was painting his bodies, and it was just kind of like, you know, he was right there all the time. I mean, you know how it was to get a body painted, and this guy was just like right there doing whatever, and, you know, get him, he could get anything on the fly, and they had the most awesome hobby store, too. I mean, they had everything. I mean, you you, you went there, and you, went, you wanted to get all the trick stuff. They had all the trick stuff in the hobby store, you know, and it was always yeah. just racks of it, um, just awesome. But when I flew out to California, uh, Jack Johnson picked me up, and, you know, I knew a lot about Jack just from the magazines and stuff. So, uh, But he was really good and intricate and kind of helped me get better at understanding setups and stuff like that. That guy knew how to set up a car. He knew, you know, what, you know, taught me how to, to find a setup that worked and to stick with it. Um, Scott Brown and him would always kind of hang out and kind of run the same setup. So I always kind of knew to pit with those guys. And they always seemed to, to have it right. I mean, every track we went to was always close. And I remember... I think the first time when I, I there was a truck nationals up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is probably going back, and I, I probably should have told you this was another signature race. The first time. Oh, we're losing you a bit there, Brian. The truck nationals. Can you hear me? I can hear. It's breaking up just a little bit. Oh. No. Okay. Um. But yeah, so the the first time I made the nationals was the Truck Nationals uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I can't remember the year. It might be ninety three. Ninety three. I was there. Ninety three. Okay. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I I I came. Dad and I came there, and and I I didn't really know much about setup. I probably had already tried to had I came with my own setup. Probably was really far off. But I was determined to do well at that race, and I was just so far off. And I remember. You know, being kind of nervous around everybody that was good and stuff, but you know, I got so fed up at the end of the, one of the practice days, I just kind of stormed over to the pit. This is really before I knew Jack and them, and I said, 
listen, I didn't know what you guys are running right now. <laughs> so my car is garbage. You know, I'm about to throw it away. I mean, I was heated. And I, I'm, I kind of was impressed as a kid now that I even went up and did that because I was kind of a shy kid, really. And I said, look, I need to know what you guys are running. He he wrote down the setup, and, man, I was fast and down. You know I mean? It was good. I was in the ballpark. But I, You're like, I'm man, so I got to be more aggressive that. like that more often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really drove me to that point. I mean, I was just so disgusted because I just, I was like, I was wasting so much time up there and I knew I was better than that. And, uh, he was very helpful that weekend. And from there on out, I knew just to pit with him and Scott and, and they were very helpful in their setups were always, they always fit my drive style. And, um, you know, they, and again, I, there were so many races that I, I learned a lot from them and took that stuff back home. And, and it really helped me a lot with setups and helping other people and, and, and just, you know, keep getting my car close at every track. <clears throat> so then, you know, we kind of fast forward a little bit. You got, uh, and then you said you, you moved to California for a while. And what was that all about? And when was that? Uh, it was in 2002 to 2004. I was in California. Um, I was in school at the time to do, I was in marketing. I was a marketing major and I switched majors a few times. And I thought I was going to be an engineer and I was going to be something else and then I'm in marketing and I was trying to race and do school and I wasn't doing that great in school and I, I was just kind of hanging in there but I just went into it and um, I probably should have already graduated by that time but um, I wanted to race I just wanted to kind of keep doing that and I felt like that was going somewhere and um, I I talked to I think at the time I was maybe running for Orion and I talked to Rick Howard on the phone and I said you know I don't I don't know how the conversation even came up, but we discussed maybe a job opening out there and, you know, marketing coordinator. You're in, you're in school for marketing. You must know something about marketing. Why don't you be something with marketing coordinator? That's what we called it. So I said, well, you know, I thought about it and I thought, okay, let's do that. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time. She agreed to move out there with me. And, um, you know, at the time, Joe Pillars was – you know, just had started. He would he would race Phantom. He was run, he was he was a motor guy for Phantom, and then he became my motor guy at Orion. And um, we 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 met that year. He was he drove. Out, so we ended up, ended up rooming with Joe Pillars and Greg Hodap. But you know, I, I I met Joe on the way out there at the Cactus Classic. We drove out there or we flew out there for that race and flew back home, and then ended up meeting Joe later on. And we all had, had agreed to get an apartment and. Um, Greg Hodap moved in with us, and uh, Joe and I both worked at Orion together. So we would commute to work uh, back and forth, and, and we did that for I did that for a year. But that was fun, um, you know, uh, working with Rick and Joe, and I think Derek Fatani was there as well. Um, I don't remember where Greg was working at the time; he wasn't there. Um, but uh, yeah, so Joe and I got tight doing that. Uh, Joe would, would kind of still manage a team and I was doing some of the marketing stuff, you know, just getting press releases out to magazines and just, you know, whatever, you know, remained to me to do. And then I was going to races and kind of documenting those as well. So when we go to a race, I take pictures, do some write-ups on the races and stuff like that. And I did that for a year. And, you know, after a while in California, you, know, you just kind of need to make a little more income. And, you know, I wasn't qualified to do much more than that. So um, I, I broke from that the second, the second, I did that for a year, and the second year I ended up getting into the mortgage business and, and doing that for a year, and then and then ended up moving back home and kind of folding on the whole deal. But it was fun. It was a good experience. I mean, it was it was. I feel like I got to live it all out. You know, I mean, I got to race and then go work for the industry and companies and just kind of get fully engulfed in it. So I, I'll never, I would never regret it. Take it back. Um, but I felt like at that point I, I'd kind of done everything I needed to, 
within the industry, and I was ready to kind of go out and kind of make some more money. Came home, ended up getting my degree, and then you know got my career on on board um, with with sales and stuff that I do now. Uh, but I think the that, that was probably the end of my you know professional racing career. Really, you know, at the height of it was in 2003 when I, my last race was at the Hot Rod Hobbies Shootout, and I remember Ryan Cavalieri and all those guys were in this four wheel drive of Maine, and the last Maine that I was in ended up winning. Which is kind of cool. So that you know, I, I got to beat those guys that I look up to now is one of some of the best drivers, you know, um, in in our RC car history. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one of the conversations is you know, uh, and that was the uh, the time period where those guys were getting going, and you know, you know, people like you and me and we're kind of finishing. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and and now you know they they talk about Cavalieri that you know he may be the best uh, you know driver you know these gets in that conversation and you know certainly there's the Mayfield and Tebow's and the other guys uh, obviously there's the King Masami Kenwald and Pavitas right and uh, but yeah I mean he's definitely mentioned in that so much now um, that's and uh yeah being there for the first couple races uh that he was running in had to be pretty cool right like him and kenwald and um you know misami and i know misami's got that really cool picture you can find online where he's standing there with all <laughs> his trophies and cars around him right mm-hmm. obviously probably the most decorated um and and again i when I first started looking at magazines and stuff, I mean, it's always Masami, Masami, Masami. I mean, I can almost say, you know, you looked up to him as like, I mean, it was just kind of further ahead than everybody else. It always seemed like he was just like the, the master, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always looked at, I kind of looked at Kenwall that way too, but Masami, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know him as well. You know, he was overseas. He was just, um, you know, it's kind of more of an international guy to me, to my icon. And, um, and when I got second, you know, to see him third on the podium felt really good. <laughs> I guess you got to beat your, your idol mentor, you know, kind of growing up in, in the industry. Um, but, you know, you're looking at Cavalieri now, uh, you know, I mean, his number, you know, he's been racing for a long time. I mean, every year he's, he's always got some win at the nationals or whatever. So he's, you know, he's, he's, he's I, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I would think they're getting somewhat close. Um, he's definitely yeah. closing the gap on Masami as far as most decorated and whatnot, but you know, he might be ready for his picture with all his trophies around him, too, just to see what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously I talked to um, those guys a lot, and and I don't know how many of the awards Cavalieri has, but he has a lot of the – a lot of his cars. Um, he has a lot of his winning cars, and that's a pretty neat thing. And I know Mayfield doesn't really have a lot of the stuff himself, but what he has – is he's given it all to his dad. So Mayfield's dad has all his stuff. And, um, you know, Mayfield says that he's at his dad's house. There's maybe 800 trophies. Um, mm-hmm. And and all of the cars he's ever kept, his dad has. So his dad absolutely has everything. And uh, so Ryan said, you know, he's like, I know one day I'm going to end up with my dad's house and I'm going to take one picture and then throw everything away. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's, so I don't know if you had that day yet, but I've I did throw all my stuff away. Actually, right before I moved to California, I had all these trophies from just you know all, everything had built up, and I, I was like, oh, time to just get rid of this. I was I was sick of at the time. I think I was living in my parents' house still, and they you know you need to dust those trophies, and it's just getting old. 
So I was like, I just kept the the my worlds, you know, my, my the ones that were nationals or worlds. I think I just kept those. And um, unfortunately, I didn't take a picture of all of it. I should have, but I, I ended up throwing all those away. But definitely, I would I definitely suggest anybody that does that definitely take a picture of all your trophies, large or small or whatever, just so you can keep that memento for sure. Oh yeah, I mean it's something. Sometimes you don't really. Um, have a full appreciation for at that particular age but that's why I always tell Ryan I'm like I'm like hey when you get older I'm like you're really gonna want to see this stuff you know Um, there's stuff I don't have anymore there's stuff that I don't have anymore that I wish I had and I said it and I said and your success is so great in this thing there's gonna be a lot of these things you you really want to see you know and um, you know when he when he won the worlds you know we I made sure to you know, Thomas took photos for us, and and uh, we made sure to get nice ones of him and send them uh, all framed. Because I'm like, I know you don't, I know you think this is stupid now, but at some point you're gonna think this is really nice. So um, absolutely, um, and, and so unfortunately we didn't have more access to cameras and social media back then, because I think I would have all preserved it more too. You know, back then you just snapped a picture and waited to get it developed. It just didn't. Didn't it? I don't know. You just didn't think about it as much, I guess. And 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 on the topic of old things in RC, it's amazing to see all this vintage stuff and and all this stuff that we threw away that we just had too much of at the time. It's just worth so much now. Um, and I think that whole vintage thing is probably, uh, you know, everybody's recognizing that. And I'm sure it's a no-brainer now for people to keep a lot of that stuff just for you know just for monetary reasons, really. Um, but that's really cool to see that vintage thing take off. You know, uh, all the old things just um, being classics and people being um, still enthused about, um, you know, seeing old cars go around the track and seeing them built. Um, I think that's really neat. I didn't keep any of my old cars. I mean, after the Worlds, I just rebuilt it and we went racing again the next week. <laughs> I was like, oh, this car is really good. I'm going to keep racing it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like you're not giving up on a good car, right? Right. No. A chassis's not bent yet. Of course, back then it wasn't a bent chassis. It was just plastic. But, um Right. And, and, and then on that topic, too, there's a track here. Um, the one I was telling you is pretty close to me, P&T Hobbies. They're holding a vintage race here, and it's April 20th. <clears throat> and they're, um, they're like, will you, will you come race the vintage race? And I said, well, I don't really have a car to race. No, no, we're going we're gonna to rebuild your world's car f- for you. I was like, what? So I'm <laughs> You're like, well, now race. I have to I do get this. To go- well, yeah. So I get to go race small world's car in April at that track. Somebody's uh, building the track uh, car for me. Um, they even got skipped to repaint the old body, and um, that should be. I'm really excited to see what that looks like and how, to, how it drives with new technology and with the. You know, of course, I'm gonna be running against old vintage cars, but it should be interesting. I, I'll get. A, I'll finally get a picture and, and be something that I can keep. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Let me uh, before we go a little further. I'm gonna look at a couple of our questions. Um, and I mean, some of this you've already talked about, so you can just kind of um, just say sure. yes or no uh, off the top here, guys. Like, what's your most memorable race? Which we probably just talked about, but you can go ahead and say what it is. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm sure once I get off the phone, I'll probably forget a few or whatever. But obviously, the '97 Worlds uh, is most memorable for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. You know, that's being a part of Losi winning the World Championship. Really, it was cool. You know, it really meant a lot to me, and having all my family there uh, was awesome. Being able to perform in front of them means a lot. Um, I think the Nationals would have been a good one if Matt Francis wouldn't have uh, let Brian Kenwell go at the line. I obviously, I could have said I won the Nationals, maybe, or something like that. 
Um, yeah. Some other races around here locally, um, and it's 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 coming up in two weeks. Here is the Columbus race. It's the winter winter Midwest Championship. That race has always been big here. It's the 32nd annual this year. Wow. We started racing that race when it was the sixth or seventh annual, and um, back then. <clears throat> You know, it was just all the guys around here, but it always brought the best guys in the region. I mean, that was the best of the best. And I remember telling everybody when I'd go race out of town with all the on the tour or whatever, I'd say, hey, you know, uh, this race is all cool. I mean, I'd love to see some of you guys show up to it. And I think the first – Adam Drake was from this region, so he would show up, and he'd tell people about it too. And, <clears throat> and Jesse Roberts. Um, but we got Matt Francis to come one year. And I feel like – that was kind of the tipping point to making it a big race. So Matt Francis came, then he told people how cool it was, and now it's, I think it's a money race. I mean, we're going to have, you know, and, and Ryan uh, Mayfield's here, t- t- uh, um, Jared, t- t- uh, Jared comes every year, um, uh, Ryan Cavalieri. Uh, I, don't, I know Dakota's from here, but I don't know if he comes much or not. But you know those guys come every year, and it's 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 the biggest race around here, and it's it. I, I think we I feel like we had something to do with making that a race and putting that on the map for our region. So that that always stands out to me as well. So got another one, um, Almond McLean, and this you know a little bit of a humor, but do you, after you um, after you win won a race or any race, did you have to get when you went home? Did you have to take out the trash still? <laughs> uh, you know. Well, I do remember when, when Dan and I would come home from races when I was younger, and uh, you know, no matter when I was still going racing with Dad, he was you know pretty anal, so we always had to clean up. I mean, you just want to get home from a race and go to bed. No, we got home. I had to wash the tires. He cleaned the car. I mean, everything was ready to go for the next weekend that night. I don't know how we did it, <laughs> but it was like, oh my gosh. Hmm. So we'd still have a long night ahead of us even when we got home. Um, but no, I, it's what's, what was crazy. I think you know. You go to these races and you get attention, and, you know, and all that stuff. But then you go home and then you wake up and you go to school the next day or high school or whatever, and you're just you know, just a normal kid walking around the halls again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that compares to it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Bing was on the show and he was saying after he won the '96 Nats, he went home and he was telling his parents about it, and they just told him, "Oh, that's great. Here, take the trash out now." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but did you clean your room? Clean your room. Yeah, you didn't yeah. clean your room for your lap. Right? Isn't that crazy, man? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we got. Uh, we'll we'll save that one. Um, and this is kind of a good one, but the guy just says, uh, "What current technology or RC related item would you love to have back in the day, in the old racing days?" But old technology that we. We no, what was the what's the new stuff you'd like to bring back? Oh, the old oh days? brushless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brushless lipo motor. What brushless motors and lipo batteries? And now uh, it's insane. Uh, it's so much better. Well, you didn't like uh, changing the brushes, trimming the com, and changing the springs out. And... When I had time, I didn't mind. I guess, but you know, <laughs> I, you know now. So you know, I was thinking about that, and I saw that question. I was like, you know, what's different? And um, you know, now back then you didn't have as many adjustments on the car. So even though you're not keeping up with, you know, batteries and motors and all that stuff, well, thank goodness you're not because you've got so many adjustments on your car. Some of these people are, you know, they're they're so enthused and changing all that stuff, and there's so many other things to try to figure out. You know, thank 
it's good to have some constants there, um, you know, in, in tires and all that other stuff. But yeah, I think the brushless has really changed a lot, right? I mean, it's just oh yeah, uh, changed so much. I think, um, and I'm sure everybody's got their own opinions about other things. But I mean, to me, that's what really stands out. We got Alex Sturgeon who says that he he wants to thank you for inspiring his original paint job too. So, oh uh, cool. Yeah, well, now you can know that came from the Carl Lewis shoe. That's right. You and know, I found a picture of it. That year. And I found oh, cool. a photo of the shoe, so we'll put that. Um, and this, we had a question, just like, how often are you going to race on a club and big race schedule? Any other sponsors that you picked up uh, for, like, 2019? I guess what he's asking, just sort of, are you just club racing? Are you big racing? Or what's the... Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've been fortunate in my life to get my career on, on, on track and, and have some time now to to race again. And that's happened in the last, oh, well, I guess eight weeks now maybe. Um, oh, nice. And even though I don't have a track local, um, I'm fortunate to have uh, Jason Grimes who uh, lives here. Um, I've kind of known him. For, I, knew, I met Jason through Dean Carnes, as a matter of fact, Um Dean Carnes, the guy I raced with a long time when I was younger, and I know Jason Rona knows who he is quite a bit, but he's been in all kinds of stuff. And right now, he's actually a, a, a big-time drag racer. He's called Stinky Pinkies on Street Outlaws, stuff like that. So that's what he does now. But back then, we raced cars together a lot. And um, uh, he he when he oh he used to hop he used to hop cars too at hop show like hydraulic hop cars and all that. There's competition for that. And um, he read, he met Jason Grimes, and Jason Grimes, I guess, had an RC car pass as well, and he lives in Louisville. And um, he's been racing um, ever since we we had a track here a few years back, and I, I actually went back and raced for like six months, and I, I didn't do it again. Um, but he he's been sticking with it since the track's been in here in town, and he's been traveling to Columbus, so he's been trying to get me to come back. Hey man, why don't you come back? Come back. He goes, I'll, you know, finally he's like, I'll let you borrow one of my two-wheel drive Yokomos, and you can race that. I'm like, fine. So I go, and you know, of course I'm, I'm all right. Let's go next weekend. Let's go next weekend. So we've been going together. So we I've got somebody to travel with. And um, so we've been going to uh, the two tracks of Columbus, the one of the P&T Hobbies. And, and of course, now he's, he's brought me into the Yokomo world. And, 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 and as well, Joe Pillars uh, that I you know, used to room with, I've always kind of stuck with whatever he's been doing. So um, Joe's been nice enough to help me out with the Yokomo. Um, Jason's been nice enough to help me out with J-Concept tires, um, which are amazing. And, then, um, and they work very good in our region. It's always good to have the tire that works good in your region. Um, and then, um, let's see, much more. Joe's hooked me up with the much more stuff as well. Um, Avid RC, Jay, um, um, David Jor, who's a racer from back in the day, who I had no idea he raced, you know, he was the Avid guy, but I've been running his stuff as well. And then, uh, Sanwall has uh, been helping me out with radios. I always ran Airtronics radios. So everybody's really been good contributing. Obviously not at the level that I was before. Um, but still try to be a good advocate for, for all the sponsors. And, and it's very help, helping me out quite a bit, too, as you're trying to balance life and all the finances. And I mean, I'm not the richest person in the world, but I don't know that I could go racing without all that help. So that's allowing me to get back racing. Um, I'm looking at it differently this time. I mean, I go back. I really try to talk to everybody. I try to help everybody out. I try to make sure that they're um, staying involved, staying enthused, um, and just trying to maybe bring a little coolness to the track. I mean, I've always kind of known for bringing music to the track and just, you know, <laughs> Trying to have a good time. Well, um, we haven't gotten to these questions yet. Okay, <laughs> I was going to okay. say, there's a question <laughs> but, related to that. <laughs> but that's that's the level I'm at right now. You know, I don't anticipate going back to, I mean, it would be really nice if I was could drive like that, but as you get older, your reflexes kind of 
get a little more removed. But I'm still having fun at the track, more in a different way. But it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, let me just keep going here. Just taking out the trash. We got that. Um, is your give you up like a guy that you'd consider was your arch rival? Uh, locally, Jason Schweitzer. Um, he, he, you know, he and I would always hit the hit the road together. It was he and I race. You know, we'd always show up to the track together. We we traveled everywhere together. But he was the kid that probably pushed me to be very intricate in me getting better. It, it, you know, you have to have a kid or someone at your track that's pushing you, right? You can't just really run on your own and, and get faster. I mean, you really have to have somebody competing with you, being able to share setups with you. We both race low C. He knew how to set that car up as well, probably better than I did. And I'd always kind of steal some of his setups, and he'd usually beat me at the home track. But when you go on the road, somehow I'd always do better at bigger races. Um, but he would probably definitely at home. We I mean, we go back and forth all the time. Um, he, probably more him, and maybe maybe Adam Drake a little bit, just because he was from our region, and he was from up north. So anytime we'd meet, would always be like in Columbus. Or something like that, and we seemed like he, he and I were always kind of like you know first and second, something like that. And we we'd meet for club races in Columbus, and and you know he was always pretty tough to beat. I always wanted, to, you know, I always felt good if I walked away and beat Adam. He's asking uh, if you like uh, the Golden State Warriors or the Lakers. Um, I've been to Lakers game. I haven't been to Golden State Warriors game. I don't have much skin in the NBA game, but I'll probably get I'll, I, LeBron. <laughs> nice. There you go. But but Michael Jordan, what? of course, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I like uh, the I, I I pick Jordan over the LeBron conversation. There you go. We knew we got him on here for a reason, Gotti. Next question. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember coming to East Street Raceway in Verona, Pennsylvania, in the '90s, or Wagon Hill, which we already talked about? Wagon. We talk about Wagon Hill every every episode. I remember Wagon Hill. There was a there was another one. East Street Raceway. Oh, Verona, PA. I don't I don't remember that one. In the nineties. Uh, I don't remember the other one. I just remember Wagon Hill. I think Wagon Hill had an indoor track too, maybe, or was that the other track? I don't know. I remember there. I remember going to Pennsylvania and racing an outdoor and an indoor, but I think they were both Wagon Hill. So you didn't race at Wagon oh. Hill a lot. Just no. Okay, because it was no, close to. I figured yeah. maybe. Well, not real close, but. Yeah. No, that was like five hours away. Yeah. Well, that's close for us, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. That was. I remember Columbus being halfway there, and Columbus was pretty far. But yeah, I always thought. I always level. thought you guys made. You went to Columbus and then Wagon Hill. You know, I thought you made that trip. Uh, you know, there's so many that we went to. Uh, I it could have. <laughs> See, where's, where's Verona, PA at? I don't remember that track at all. That's near Pittsburgh. So, okay. So we got. Um, what's your favorite class to race? Uh, and then what's your back then? And then what's your favorite class to race today? It's usually pretty much a normal answer. Yeah. Don't feel modified. Absolutely. Most challenging. Four wheel drive can be fun too, but it's just not as much competition. I don't know. It just doesn't seem as competitive. I don't know what it, I don't know what the difference is. Two wheel drive is just more. I don't know. I just like two wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the class. Like you know, if I always say it's like you have to. If you're a, a top driver, like say you're a Cavalry, a Mayfield, or whatever, it's like you know, if you win two wheel, yeah, it's like the worth of winning 
four wheel and truck. Like it's right. like a it's like a two for one. Like you can win two wheel and you're still the man. If you win like four wheel and truck, it's like almost the same. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So it's like yep. everyone's like, you know, you go to a race and you're like, you know, it's like you talk to Mayfield. Well, I won four wheel. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, well, it was it's awesome. So you know, you, you beat all the same guys. And it's like, yeah, you know, that was fine. But <laughs> it's funny, too. I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't know if, you know, the you know question, too, is, you know, when do you would you rather TQ a race or win or something like that? Because you, you work all weekend just to top qualify and then you got the main. And maybe you don't win, and you still might walk away with your head hung down, you know, or whatever. But yeah, you still DQ'd, you know, you still mm-hmm. unqualified. But yeah, it's he, interesting. Um, yeah, that's some some good stuff. We got a we got a guy, Jason Engel, asking what makes your hair so soft and sexy. Genetic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the same stuff. Same thing he puts he puts in his beard. There you mm. go. Okay. Genetics. Butters. Tell him tell him butter. His, his name's Butters. <laughs> <laughs> Bitters. I, I nicknamed him Bitters because sometimes he likes to throw his car races. Oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, that does <clears throat> no, he's, he's a cool guy. He lives in he lives in Columbus. I've gotten closer with him too. Um, we actually pit across the, the table from each other the last time I went up to Columbus. Cool guy. Um, we got the. Uh, a guy mentioning here. Now let me find it again. Sorry. I keep getting distracted by this hair question. Oh, Randy Pike asking, uh, what got you out of the sport? You kind of alluded to it before, uh, you know, school, um, work, all that type of stuff. But is that kind of the main thing? Well, I think when I, you know when I was I don't know what would have happened if I would have stayed home. But when I moved to California and I had a girlfriend and I'm trying to, you know, meet both of our needs there and, you know, I, I wasn't making the most of my. I mean, I had to live with. Yeah, I had to have roommates to kind of make it work in California because of what we're making, you know, income wise. And um, I think you know she was kind of nagging that we needed to get our own place and you know so all I was going to take a little more money and so I kind of had to to make the executive decision to to try to do something else. And maybe, you know, I guess I thought oh, I'd come back to it quicker than I than I left, you know. But, yeah. um, you know, I didn't think I was going to leave California either. I was going to try to make it, you know, I moved out there. I was going to try to at least make it work out there and then get my priorities straight and then, you know, get back into my hobby kind of thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I just never could get it off the ground to, to really stay in California. So when I moved back, um, I, I, I liked making the money. I liked, you know, doing the, the you know, the career change. So I didn't really have time for that with the girlfriend and all that stuff. So, um, and then coming back, we didn't have a track here anymore. And, and the thought of having to travel travel out of town every weekend, you know, I think that killed it. So I think yeah. if we would have had a track here or something that was more local that I could have run at, you know, for years we didn't have a track here. So, you know, without a local track, that that really that was the thing. But it was never that I wanted to to really leave it. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds. I think that's probably the situation for a lot of a lot of people. Um, okay, so we got the got another question. What is it about RC cars that's so attractive to women? Nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, anytime I was approached, you know, people, what are you doing on the weekends? Why are you not around? Well, I go racing. I just kind of leave it at that. 
and they just kind of come up with their own ideas. Oh, he races cars, you know, and then they, you know, and then it take them a while to figure out that it's, it was just a remote control car. So as soon as you say remote control, yeah, oh, forget you know, it or something like that. And then of course, you know, people think, well, you're he's my cool guy. I mean, I'll go to a race and check it out. And then they go and they're like, well, I say, look, it's not a spectator sport, really. It's not, <laughs> you got to really, you, you got to do it to to really enjoy it. And it's a little unfortunate with RC. You know, I think that's the gas. The gas thing has a little more of a spectator appeal to it. Uh, mm-hmm. People can relate to, to to pit stops and longer races and engines and you know stuff like that. That's that's neat. And I'm glad that our industry has that. It's nothing that I really got into. Um, I, you know, I just didn't know much about the engines and all that stuff. I think it's very fascinating. Uh, but again, yeah, <laughs> it, it never it never uh, got me a date. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, before we get there, we're still working on these questions, and um, we got a Ashley Size says, I remember back in Indiana State races at Uncle Joe's, people would watch Dunbar's girlfriends more than the mains. (laughs) (laughs) When, when, at the Nationals, when I think when being one, um, I do remember that Dean and I had two girls come up there, and in the magazine, they wrote up these two girls got as much attention as the new the, the, the new double x four had come out so these, these two girls got as much attention yep. as the new double x four I, I remember that, that. Cool. i remember that <laughs> they were on my yeah, camcorder were... a lot also those two. yeah they were with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they made a lot of video and photos that weekend yeah they did absolutely they were smoking hot <laughs> Smoking so we hot. got, um, and this was a question going back to earlier. You're talking about the practice you did, all the different tracks, but uh, Corey was just saying, what's the best way to practice to just turn laps or have a detailed plan? Did we lose Brian? Maybe, maybe we lost him. All right, about that one happened. Cool, no problem. Uh, okay, yeah, so, me? so Corey was just saying, what's the best way to practice uh, to just turn laps or like a detailed plan? Yeah, I think you should always be, you know, you're either going to the track because you're trying to, you know, make your car better and you're trying to get it to where, okay, I don't have to worry about my car anymore. I just can turn laps. You want to get to that point. Um, so if, if your car's not there yet, you need to have a detailed plan. Um, you need to know you know, what you're working on, and you should definitely keep things to a minimum. I mean, I think the best thing to do is start off with a setup that most people or team drivers are, are probably driving if you don't know your car that well. Um, you know, most of those guys have done the research. They know it works. Um, you know, start there. But then you want to get your car to where each track you go to, you're only adjusting maybe a spring, um, uh, maybe two-and-a-half weight, suspension weight all the way around as far as taco goes, and, and maybe a camera link, and that's it. I mean, every, you're, I mean, these cars are designed. I really, I mean, I haven't really come across a car that wasn't close. Um, you couldn't find a setup that was that close, and that really eliminates all the time that it takes to, to wrench and, and 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 get your car to where you need it to be. Because then, then you can drive your car. I mean, you 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 have to. If your car's not working right, you're going to have to adjust your driving style to a car that may not be quite as good yet. If you feel comfortable with your car, don't touch it, and you need to turn laps. Um, but you need. I think it's important to really get your car to where it's, it feels comfortable, um, something you can, you know, get around the track, fat, you know, somewhat fast, but make sure you, you're not wrecking. And if you're getting around the track and you're having a hard time, 
you know, turning consistent lap times, you can't push it, you're having to play defense, you can't offens- offensively drive your car and you can't drive in traffic, I think you need to keep wrenching and, and making sure that it's it, you've got a stable car there. And a lot of times that comes with a car that might have a little push in it, and that's okay. Most of these guys that go on the track, you think their car's got a lot of steering, most of them probably have a little bit of push to their car. So if you've got a little bit of push to your car and you can drive it hard, um, chances are you've got a decent car and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, try to stick with something like that and then turn laps. Um, go to the track, have all your stuff ready. I see guys come to the track, their mountain tires there, they're doing all that stuff. That stuff should be done at home. Um, you know, everything should be ready to just plug to the charger, put tire sauce in your tires, and hit the track. And I think you're going to see better results. You're going to feel more comfortable. You're not going to feel rushed. You're going to be, you know, more prepared. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, Chris Trudeau, uh, racing today versus racing in your prime, which harder? And then, what pit tool couldn't you can you not leave home without? Tire wrench. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. You, uh, I, I thought about that. I mean, golly, you know, to, to watch these guys race today, it really does amaze me. I mean, they're they're constantly driving their car. I don't remember back in the day us leaving the ground and us turning the tires in the air and trying to position for the next turn. And they're doing that, and it's um, and coming back. It's something I've had to learn how to do. And obviously, I've I not mastered that. I've gotten a little bit better at each race. That's really something I've probably worked on for myself each race. I mean, as long as the car's on the ground, I feel pretty confident. But when it leaves the ground, you know, I wasn't raised on big jumps. And these days, you know, when you've got to really know how to jump your car and position in the air. Um, so I think that's 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 somewhat of a challenge. Um, you know, guys that are doing that every weekend. I mean. I, but I'm told, you know, people that started doing that, you really have to force yourself to do that. You know, if you're not doing that, you want to be at a good, le- you know, a professional level. You need to do that. Um, that's important. So, you know, that's that's a big difference between back then and now. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you can't wreck. I mean, I, if you really want to be the, really be on a high level, you you need to get to the point where you where you're. And there's a lot of guys that are fast, but they still wreck. And some of them are fast enough to wreck. And, and, and still do well, but not a lot of people can do that. And um, that takes a certain driver. And the guys that can do that are very gifted. But, yeah. you know, I think you've got to be consistent. And, again, you've got to have a car that's consistent um, to, to compete at the level that we're at today. I mean, there's just a lot of – I think there's more drivers. There's more uh, chassis to choose from. So you've got to be very selective on what chassis works for you. Um, and you've got to be – you know, you got to be picky about the tires that you're running. I mean, a lot of tracks – uh, favor a certain tire, and you've got to pick up on those things. You've got to really look over other people's shoulders and see what they're doing. And uh, if the fast guys are running a certain tire sauce, you need to run probably what they're running instead of trying to formulate your own stuff in the garage maybe or something. You know, I mean, I've seen guys trying to yeah. come up with their own stuff. And, you know, you really you kind of got to follow the leader at a certain point um, until you feel like you've really got something that's, that you're confident in. But, you know, these again, these professional drivers, they know what works. Guys who go to the track every day. Especially the guys that go, you know, the, you see a guy at the track every day. And, again, I've seen, like, Brian Kenwald so many times or guys like that back in the day just kind of keep their eyes on certain cars out there. And even though the guy's not fast, they'll pick up on something that guy's doing and bring that <laughs> home and, and, and use it. And you wouldn't believe what you learn from, from amateur racers as well. So you can always yeah. learn from everybody. Um, always keep, you know, be, be observant of that. Yeah, I always, I always tell people, I'm like, hey, when you're term marshaling, that's what I'm watching. I'm like, right. I'm watching these guys' stuff, and, you know, I'm like, you know, you'll you'll always catch that one guy that you're just like, man, this guy's 
kind of sucks at driving, but his stuff is really good. I'm going to go see what this guy's doing. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times yeah. they let you drive his car. They'll even let you drive yeah. it a lot of times too. And and I, I don't I don't mind letting people drive my cars and getting their opinion on what they think about my car as well. And you'll never you you never know who you pick up information from. We got the like the, the buddy you're talking about here, Jason Grimes. He was talking about just the style of driving, which he kind of uh, talked about a little bit. But he was just saying the difference between driving the old rear motor cars and the mid motor cars and. You already talked about the jumps and, and things that are different now, but you know the difference between the two cars, I think, here, and how you're adapting to those changes, I guess. Wow, that's a good question because, you know, in, in the new cars, um, you just one millimeter. I guess it's with the weight distribution the way it is. You know, without the engine off the back, maybe the, the, car, the engine off the back, the car might have been a little more forgiving. And these days, you know, with the engine in the, inside the car, it. Um, the engine, well, the electric motor inside the car, it, it, with the weight distribution, I, I feel like you notice every little millimeter. And again, it's just such a challenge to get that right setup because there's so many adjustments on these cars. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It really, you really need a, a good setup from somebody who's really done all this work. If you can't go to the track that much, you've got to start off with someone who's done all this research and really get it close and just kind of fine tune one millimeter at a time with these cars because they're way different. Than back in the day, I would say I'd say one millimeter feels like three millimeters back in yeah. the day almost. Yeah, and uh, so we got Justin Doyle here, who's uh, was uh, giving us good questions. But you know, you hinted on uh, some of his already. But you know, we didn't have social media, you know, back in the old days. And he's kind of he's asking, what would it be like, and who would be the keyboard cowboys of the old the old era, and you know. <laughs> Would it be a good or a bad thing that we're social media in those days? Um, I don't know. It's like it's always a different group of guys back then. It may have been because of social media wasn't there. I don't know. But, you know, you, you definitely you leave the track and you still, you know, hear the drivers where you usually just, you know, you usually walked away from that for the week and came back to it and then it would all start up again. And now it's just, it's ongoing. Right. So you never, yeah. you never really can stop hearing about it. Um, which brings up, you know, I think social media brings up rumors and it brings up stuff and then people can't see what your expression is behind the keyboard. And I think all these tensions start flaring and people really just being sarcastic and they're taking it the wrong way. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, back then it was just the raw face value and we're on the track and it was like, you left it there. And and today it's not like that, but, and, and I, I don't, you know, I guess it, you know, people do make those comparisons. Oh, you know, back in the day, these drivers and now these drivers and, and they're different, but it's it's probably social media. I don't think anybody's really different. I think it's social media that's kind of changed those things. But yeah. people get a little too caught up in it. I think I think people really need to just just keep it in in, in on the track, you know. Um, and there's certain I think they know they can get under their skin, so they're 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 always you know pushing their buttons and stuff. And I think it's funny to sit back and get the popcorn and watch. But <laughs> um, you know, I think guys just need to just really just work it out of the track. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think um, that's how it was. You know, you you would hang out with these guys, and you know what was said was said. Were during the race, nothing would happen during the week because there wasn't this you know typing and all that stuff. And then you'd see them again the next weekend, and uh, it was just a little easier. Um, but like you said, I think if everybody had these words to say during s- social media, it would be the same kind of crap that you see today. Um, 
I, I'd like to see more positivity. Maybe you know, there's a lot of people yeah. that I don't think realize look are being looked up to, and mm-hmm. um, and and they they maybe show their ass a little bit online, and they kind of ruin their credibility. Where a lot of times they can be better role models, especially for younger kids getting into this. And you know, if we want this, you know, to be taken seriously as a as a hobby sport, whatever you want to call it, you know, some of these ambassadors should step up and be more um, maybe more role models, and they can do that with social media. Yeah, and uh, you know, being being more professional, I guess you could say. Right, um, and you know, maybe 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 they're maybe it's in their contract from their sponsors that they have to limit their social media, or you know, I like the fact that they're getting on there and they're okay, tell them you know how the race went and they're talking about their sponsors and stuff like that. But maybe again, maybe put something one one good thing or talk about one other good driver that's something that they noticed. Or, you know, I don't know. You know, a lot of times they. A lot of people are sponsored these days, so maybe if it was put in a contract, maybe that would change things, and they they would realize their sponsorships on the line or something like that. I don't know how to I don't know how else to change it, but it could be a, a right step in the right direction. I don't know. You know, and um, kind of not wanting to completely um, change the subject, but we got a, a question is, and you've already talked a little bit about it, but uh, do you ever talk uh, with Dean Carn still and keep in touch with him? Probably about every other day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, every other day probably. I was just up there for a. Well, it's nice because he lives in Dayton, which is close to Columbus, and um, you know Columbus racing gets going. It doors open at, at eight, so Jason and I have to leave here. I don't know. We get he'll get to my house at four thirty in the morning. We hit the road. So Dean living close, um, Jason couldn't go a weekend or two ago, and I brought my girlfriend, and I thought, well, she's not going to want to get up early, and I didn't want to go by myself, so I thought we'll go hang out with Dean for the night. So we stayed at his house. And it was just like five minutes to the track the next day, so that was nice. So yeah, he, he still talks to me a lot about the uh, the drag racing that he does. We both love racing. He still likes to keep in contact with with what's going on in the RC world. Um, he's excited that I'm back in it. He might even make a, a cameo next weekend at the, uh, the the big race. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm still I'm still very involved with uh, what he does with the with the um, drag racing, and you know, getting to see him now on the um, the Street Outlaws and. Um, Discovery TV and stuff like that. He's he's made a good name for himself. He's still got a loud mouth and uh, still gets in places. But it's it's fun to see him, you know, <laughs> grow as a person. And uh, he's always been one of my best friends. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's funny because it was probably a year ago he contacted me. Um, you know, I see him on Facebook, of course, and uh, he contacted me because you know we were making these uh, RC drag racing bodies and. You know, first we made a, a 66 Nova, then we made a, a Mustang, and now we've made a, a 67 Chevelle. And about a year ago, he sent me all uh, some of his hero cards and his T-shirts, the stinky pinky stuff. And, uh, you know, I got him up in one of our rooms here, and um, that's really cool, like you said, the, the drag racing stuff. But it just so happens that we made this uh, 67 Chevelle, and, you know, the other day he sent me photos of, of his car because he had a he has a Chevelle or had one right. and he wants me to make a, a replica of it and so I told him I said I'm gonna see what we can do you know um, doesn't take oh, a lot of work awesome. to make a doesn't make a lot of work to <laughs> take a lot of work to make a pink car but to get our decals right we'll have to get the stinky pinky logo oh that would be great yeah that'd be really cool yeah he's always fascinated in your um you know with your fat well he's he's impressed with your infatuation over you know monster trucks and stuff like that. <laughs> he was hitting me up the other day saying, man, I didn't know he was so involved in that stuff. I was like, I didn't either. It's pretty cool, kind of cool yeah, that you I guys mean, have kind of branched off in different industries like that as well 
Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, we have the RC stuff. Um, I was into it as a kid. That's how I got into RC and because uh, of the real trucks. So so now it's just sort of a nostalgic thing, um, something to stay active with and just, um, you know, another group of people that um, that are that like RC, honestly. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been great from that standpoint. But, yeah, we're looking forward to getting that that Dean Carnes uh, stinky pinky rep- replica going. And I got to get with him and, and uh, see about getting some of these logos so we can get the decals right. You know, it's got to, it's got to look the part. Yeah. He displays his car a lot. You know, when they go to these races, he'll have tents set up and memorabilia and all that, you know, t-shirts and stuff. I bet he wouldn't have any problems, you know, pr- you know, displaying a car that was a miniature size of his replica, you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's going to look cool. And, and, um, yeah, the first thing they're going to want to do is race it. So, yeah, I, right. I, I'll have to I'll have to get out there, and and uh, we'll we'll get one done this year so he can he can check it out. A um, couple more questions for you that I had is uh, going back into talking about the old days a little bit and the like you said you were always known for having a good time, having the music, everything else. Um, Tell us about some of the the good days out on the town, um, visiting some of these places, hanging out with the the guys and the crew, and and uh, what was that like? <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know when we started actually doing that. I know I remember I was you know when I would be younger and be with my dad, um, we would go. I think the race we always looked forward to was the Winter Champs down in Tampa, and the guys. Um, you know, we'd go out in the town, and of course, I was too young really to go, but I'd hear all the stories, which was like, oh, okay, these guys are having fun outside the track. This is cool. Mm-hmm. And um, But I was always kind of envious of, of you, know, you know, too young, so I couldn't go, but I would share the stories the next day, and it would be like, you know, Mons Venus, and this guy did that. And, you know, just, yeah, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody had clean fun. You know, nobody was in too out of line, and maybe, maybe you know, breaking an axe on a rental van or something like that every once in a while, but, you know, nobody went to jail. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. um, so, you know, but, you know, we'd hear about, you know, Ybor City and, and stuff like that. So when I was old enough to kind of go along with people, I was, you know, I, I got to see what I was all about. So, um, and I probably came home and just, you know, started doing more stuff like that, too. And, you know, started bringing it more to the track, my own flavor or whatever. And, um, you know, just started bringing music to the track. Just kind of just kind of more fun with, you know, just maybe the social aspect, too. And, um, you know, being with Dean, you know, he and I, uh, I think he, he was a little older than me, so he he you know we go to races. He was he was able to drive a car first, like a real car. So we we had you know, I could finally tell my dad, hey, I'm heading out or whatever. And, <laughs> and after a while, he wouldn't go, but we would we would hit the town and do whatever. And you now Dean wasn't a big drinker, so we would just kind of just go and try to meet girls or something like that. And then um, you know me and Greg Hodap had a lot of good times. And I think Jason, you and I, I remember we spent some time. I want to say in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, the group of us probably went out. Um, probably more than once, I'm sure, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, and then after a while, I think it, I just became known as somebody that was, you know, what's Dunbar going to do tonight? And then people started bringing their nice shirts and stuff and they just already, it, whether I wanted to go or not, I had to go and, you know, take everybody, you know, I, I felt like I was, I, <laughs> I was in charge of having a good time at night. So, uh, but don't regret any of it at all. Uh, definitely a lot of fun. We got to see a lot of cities outside the track. You know, a lot of times people say, Oh, how was that town? What was it like there? Uh, we just out at the track, but you know, if I was at a race, more than likely you said that you saw something else at night that was fun. Yeah, I mean, it was really like a 
there was a there was a period there um, where it was you know and everyone was so similar in age that it was very easy to kind of get like you said it was a thing where you know I don't know how long it lasted if it was four or five years or but you know it was you know if you just you raced hard you wrenched hard and then you're out I don't know if it was all night but it was a long time. I think and, it depended uh, on what main you made the next day. There was the guys <laughs> that made the A main, and they went to bed early, and the guys that knew that they weren't, you know, there weren't in bump ups back then. So you were either B in the B or C, and you know what? The heck of it. I'm going to enjoy my weekend, and you would go out with that crew that didn't really make the main. I think that's when I were, what I remember, don't you? Just, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it, like you said, I mean, it's I don't know how many times uh, between, you know, all of us that were out there and you know you're driving from wherever the track is into the nearest city whether it's houston or it's chicago or you know you're into la or you know any of these places um i mean i remember driving a lot of miles to trying to go to whatever the hot place was to go yeah it was like an adventure because you didn't really know you might you might you, you knew a local you know knowing a local right that would kind of mm-hmm. know a little bit of something and you'd say you'd say well okay what area of town and you'd go there and you just try to find any kind of trouble you could i do remember though like when we this is the furthest i think we ever went to, to have a good time and it was in it was japan it was 95 worlds <laughs> and it was like i don't know 10 of it it would seem like for a lot of us and I had no idea, but somebody somebody knew what to do, and I was pretty young then. But Dean was on the trip with me, and he was like, "Can we need to go with them? It's going to be fun." So we we like caught a train and went. I guess it was Tokyo, but it seemed like it was. Um, Aaron Biner, does that ring a name? Mm-hmm. Okay, he yeah, had he, a hotel he was probably room. the one that knew where to go. Yeah, yeah, he had a hotel room. I or he knew he kind of knew that. Yeah, he knew the layout. So we caught a train and and we all went. And, and and found this little bitty club in like this busy area called Gas Panic, mm-hmm. and I remember. I mean, I just yeah, I remember. It seemed like it was so Rav, Scott Hughes, me, myself. Were you on that trip too? I, I did not go, were. but I know Scott Hughes was there. Yeah, and we were. You know, we had a great time, and uh, ended up staying the night in some hotel room. It must have been in between two wheel drive and four wheel drive. You know, they split it up and you've got a few days there or something. Yeah, there was the day um, in between. Yeah, we you know, we were old enough to drink in Japan, so we did. And um, you know, it was it was a it was a good time. But we stayed in the hotel room and it was like a bunch of us packed in this one room. I can't imagine what it smelled like and we just all woke up the next thing and we all made it back. I mean everybody made it back, but it was it was, it was an adventure for sure. Yeah. Great memories, huh? Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I, there's so many I don't remember. It's just like certain conversations. I'm like, oh yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember that event. I remember the stuff in Texas where you know, because we had several national t- caliber events in Texas, like in kind of consecutive years. So it kind of got to the point where it was like, oh, we're going to Texas. That means we can go down here and we can go over there. And like, you start to, um, you start to know what's going on beforehand. So you like, you know, the track set up, then you know the the party and set up. Yeah. Uh, so right. So it's like, you, you know, you'd recognize, oh man, how close is that to Chicago? Well, we could go into Chicago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chicago. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's we like, have to, we have to be up to race again. Okay. Well, yeah. 
Yeah. Don't, um, tell, don't tell Richard Trujillo. Yeah. Richard Trujillo became, you know, after a while, he would be the team manager, and he'd have to kind of go around and tell us, all right, guys, just don't be going crazy tonight or whatever, you know. And if somebody kind of came in late, he'd, he'd, he'd kind of rip you a little bit. But, yeah. I remember when uh, – I don't remember if it was you and um, Scott Brown and the Francis's had an adjoining room in Texas. And oh, boys. <laughs> it was like one – one room was for wrenching, and the other one was for going out. And... That's right. We did. We had, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because, you know, we were going to bring up all the girls, so we had to make sure they didn't know we had RC cars. So we had a room that was just like a normal room with beers in the sink and all that stuff, and, you know, hey, that's music and all that, and then you open the door, and it's like towels and cars and, you know, shit everywhere. Yeah, you got, you got Mark, no, 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 Mark no, 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 Francis. No, no, no. Huh? You got yeah, Mark yeah. Francis, who never wanted to go out. He was just wrenching yeah. in the other room. That's oh. his Uncle Mark. Yeah, don't worry about him. Uncle Mark. He drags us to these races, but we're like, yeah. man, you need to quit racing. We, we're just over having fun. We just kind of follow him around. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was always I amazed at everybody's success considering, you know, how you know everyone put everything on the line for racing everything on the line for wrenching it's not like the stuff wasn't ready um and we had time for everything like you know somehow or another you're wrenching racing you're eating you're sometimes you're sleeping and then you're going out you're driving 45 minutes there and back like somehow or another it's almost like it's like how do we have time for all this stuff yeah where'd the energy come from yeah right you're right. And, and, you know, now, I don't know. Now, you know, yeah, just um, there were a lot of races where you didn't have the time. I mean, it, you, you were fortunate some race. You know, there were some races where you just put your car down and they worked. And you were racing three classes, right? You were a two-wheel truck, four-wheel truck. Yeah. And you had to maintain all those cars. And, you know, we were there. We got there a lot earlier to practice, so it seems like. I mean, we, you know, well, I haven't been on, the, you know, a big race in a long time like that. But, you know, you're getting there Monday, Tuesday, and you're wrenching all the way till Thursday, and you had that much time. Yeah. Dedicated probably one day to each car, but you really, I really, after a while, I was like, man, I really need to get my cars good because I want to go out tonight. But if they weren't good, you stayed in and wrenched. I mean, that's kind of how I felt. I wasn't going to ever neglect a car that needed attention to go out and and, and do that stuff. So yeah, like always... the, the pressure was, if I get this stuff good now and I'm ready to go, <laughs> there was like a bonus on the other end. Hmm. It was like a yeah. second race. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's funny thinking back at that. Yeah. I just remember in the late 90s when I was working for Trinity at the time, and we were at the Chicago Hobby Show, and we went out. I don't, you won't remember this, Brian, but we went out. Jason was with us. We went to the Michael Jordan's restaurant, okay. and we were all there eating. But anyway, I don't know what bar we were at then afterwards, but I remember somebody coming up to me and saying, "Now look, Brian's going to attract all the girls, <laughs> and the ones that don't make the cut, we have a chance." <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. Uh, yeah. I remember Greg Hodap would just, I don't know, it was, uh, we had a few weird nights. but I just, remember like, we were walk- I just remember we were walking across the street, and the girls, the, the car horns were beeping, and they were, and they were just all over you. Yeah, man. yeah, and I was probably really shy. I probably couldn't even close the deal, some of them. Yeah, how about I, that? Some of those times, I don't know. I don't remember what it was <laughs> I, well, I do remember, like, Greg Hodap one time, I was like, look, man, well, I'll go out, but don't 
I don't want to take anybody home. I don't want to. I don't want to deal. I just need to race. I don't. I was really like trying to be responsible and all that stuff. And <laughs> we we show up and there was this girl around me. He just pushed me into her. He said something. Hey, you want to talk to my buddy? And and she was hot, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> couldn't turn it down. And uh, it it kind of led to something the next day where there was this other girl from Wing House. So, like when I got back to the hotel room, she was like in my bed. And, I know the story. Yeah, and Greg's like, man, how do you want to be with him? He just came home from another chick's house, and he's like, I don't care. And he was, like, pissed off because he couldn't get anything out of it. And, you know, I, <laughs> I think she was denied, but I, like, passed out on her. And um, Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was the Nationals in Florida somehow, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he, Greg, Greg got me in a lot of trouble. Um, but, you know, I, again, looking back, I don't regret any of it. <laughs> yeah, it's good times, good times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, um, yeah, I, m- I remember that happening, the the wing house girl being at the hotel waiting. Yeah, she she showed up in Miami, too, one time. Um, I don't know, anytime I come to Florida, she'd, like, call me, and she'd, like, show up in that town. It didn't really matter where it was, and uh, she was in Miami, and I don't know, there was, a, the last time I heard from her, um, I don't know. She had a friend there, and like I tried to check in with her, and I think they had gotten in an accident on the way home, and I never really heard much more about it. But I heard it was kind of bad. Uh, well, that was kind of that was just weird, you know. I was, yeah. Uh, never, never heard from that girl again. But um, um, yeah, I can't say I really keep in touch with any of those people that I met like that, any girls like that on the road. Um, I wish I still had. I wish I had social media to kind of have pictures of all that stuff, but my memory's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt yeah, Francis and I had some really good times. We really did. We had a lot of good times. We had a lot of good adventures. Um, he even came to Louisville a few times and went to the Derby with me and stuff like that. Uh, that's uh-huh. more people I race with. That's cool. Yeah, talk about the what's the what's up with the Derby? I mean, that getting in and doing that event. What's that all about? Um, you know, I, well, yeah, I probably go every other year, something like that. Uh, but it's it's fun, I guess. I mean, it's always been here, so I think anything that's like local to your backyard, you're kind of like, eh, it's not as big as much fun as everybody else. But you know, Greg Hodap's coming for it, Matt's coming for it. Um, I think that might be it that I know that's raced. But I think when Matt came in, we just did like what the infield, you know, just kind of just walked in the infield and just kind of walked around. Didn't didn't pay a lot of money to get up, you know, fancy and stuff like that. Of course, we were younger when he came, but. Um, you know, it's fun. It's springtime. It's 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 a hit or miss on the rain. Anytime I've ever spent money and got like a box, it seems like I got rained on. So I just kind of just wing it. You know, I got a lot of people now that's you know give me some some inside you know deals in, in the last second. So I usually take advantage of stuff like that. But uh, you know, there's a lot of fun parties leading up to it. Um, this year I went to the uh, it's like a celebrity party that they have here. Um, I know one of the guys that's in the band there and. You know, Kid Rock and all these guys are playing and stuff. And, uh, you know, I know the guys back there playing the drums for the event. So um, it kind of gets me close to all that. But that, that's that's definitely a lot of fun. It's a black tie affair. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you haven't been, you know, springtime in Louisville's one of the best places I like to be with the Derby and all that stuff going on. Plus, my birthday's around that time. So it's a, it's a very fun time of year. Yeah, you kind of double up a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Well, good. Um, as far as going going forward, uh, um, tell us kind of what some of the RC plans are, and um, kind of the real what your real life uh, plans are, and we can close it out. Thank some people and be done with it. Let you go and 
yeah, with RC cars, I mean, it's, um, it's like I said, it's been fun. It's been, you know, right now I'm still seeing my stuff. I haven't really peaked, you know, coming back, it's like, well, you, you don't really, it's fun each weekend you go back, you really don't know what, how much better you've gotten. Yeah. Uh, but each weekend it seems like I've gotten a little bit better. Um, I've gotten to know these Yokomo cars pretty good. And the tra- I've gotten to know the tracks better uh, than I'm going to. So I'm able to finally get to the point where I'm confident in my one setup that I'm, that, that works. And I'm able to just trying to drive laps. And um, so it's all been kind of leading up. I think every year at this time, it always leads up to this January race. Um, it's up here in two weeks, the, the winter champs. So I'm looking forward to that race. I, I kind of set a goal that I was going to make the main at that race. But, you know, I don't know. That seems maybe a little unrealistic right now. Uh, but anything could happen. I don't know. Um, you know, again, it's it's funny how much I've been improving each weekend. So I'm, I'm excited to go to a race this weekend. It's an Ian, Ian Hobbies. It's another track in Columbus. They have a series race. Um, but we'll see how that goes, and, and, and it'll lead to, to next weekend's confidence. But, uh, you know, once that goes away, we've got some series races here in the area um, that, that I'll be attending. And um, obviously that race I told you about, that vintage race in April, yeah, uh, we've got the we've got the national. So the 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 race that's coming up in in the winter champs uh, in January, the two weeks is in a, a track called the Factory, and the other track is Ian, the one I'm going through this weekend, which is also the host of the uh, the nationals this year in August. Um, so you know, as much it's it, it's fun being able to get track time on these tracks and learning them because I you know I see myself racing at least until the nationals, right and um, you know, seeing how that goes. So by then, I've got a lot of track time. Um, it would be really cool to say that I could come back and, and maybe make the main at, at one of those races. So at this point, that would probably be, you know, my short-term goals uh, and, and kind of see how it goes from there. Yeah. Um, as far yes. as, for, you know, just normal life, um, you know, work's going great. Um, not married yet or anything like that. Obviously, would like to, um, you know, nail that down one day. Um, I've got a girlfriend I've been with for about a year now, and, a uh, daughter who's 18 just started her first year of college, mm. so that's exciting. Um, so yeah, everything else is going good. Dad still, um, you know, dad, you know, they got me involved in racing. Um, still, still around. Parents still around. Everybody's still healthy. My brother just had a uh, had, had my nephew uh, two months ago. I got to see him over Christmas, so that's exciting. Um, my brother doesn't live in town. He lives up in Milwaukee, so it's nice to see him when he comes to town. Um, everything else is going pretty good. So again, I'm at a point in my life where it's to be able to go back and enjoy my hobby and still have some friends that are connected and, and still, you know, able to get help. And I'm very appreciative for being involved in RC car racing. I don't know what, a, you know, I, I think my life would have been totally different growing up without it. So, um, again, it's very nice to be able to still rekindle these times and memories and, and, um, you know, having conversations like this has been very enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Brian, you mentioned your dad had a lot of videos of you back. You know, he took a lot of video of you back racing back then. Uh, do you have them? And are you able to get them? Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're all converted on DVD or yeah DVDs. Oh, that's awesome! If you can uh, upload those to YouTube someday. Yeah, if I can figure out how to do that, I don't know. <laughs> I, can, I I'm sure I can master that one. Yeah, day. Um, but I'll have to go through them. It's been a little while since I've gone through them, so I haven't. Con- you know, this conversation is probably. Um, you know, made me remember uh, what those are like. So you have to get those going. And yeah, if you need any help with that, let me know because my friend does that. He uploads stuff from DVD to YouTube and stuff. So we can keep in close touch with that. But that would be awesome to see some of those videos. That's awesome that your dad took those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Cool. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, Brian. This is great. I mean, I love listening to stuff in the past and, you know, the nineties was awesome. And, uh, this, this was just great. So. Yeah. Without these conversations, uh, again, I don't remember a lot of it. So these conversations bring back a lot of old memories. So I really, I'm really thankful you guys are having me on here and, uh, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed rekindling the old memories and stuff like that. And it's probably something I could just talk about for hours and again, going to the track and, and talking to these guys, I do notice they like hearing the old stories. They'll sit there and talk to me about stuff, and we'll just laugh and laugh about the way things used to be and how they are now. And I tell people to get a kick out of it. So I enjoy bringing that back to the to the racing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our most downloaded episodes are the ones that are when we talk about the past. So they love that. <laughs> we gotta get uh, we gotta get Brian to some of our J Concepts Indoor National Series races. Then we can uh, we can get this. Uh, that would be that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should. Do, yeah, I'd like to make one of those. I hear a lot of good things about him. J.P. Richards is a guy in our region that goes uh, to that one in Beach RC. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a bit. So. Um, yeah. And we got one in Missouri in uh, I believe it's the second weekend of February in uh, St. Louis. Uh, J.P. Okay. always goes to that one, but. Um, Smack track. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a small yeah, track, and uh, we have a blast there. Um, you know, we always get a couple hero guys to come in, and then we got a, a lot of good, like, you know, fringe regional, national guys, and then Brent's always there. And so it's a good little mix. It's not like running a super intense race, so we can, you know, you can have a good time, plus you can race and, and do pretty well at the same time. So it's always, it's always a good time. Okay. Absolutely. I'll, try, I'll definitely make an app to do that. All right, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for joining us. Let me know if you need something from me, and uh, good luck at the race. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, Brian. That was fun. awesome, man. All right, guys. Well, have a good See evening. Happy New right. Year. Yeah, right, happy New Year. <laughs> See ya. All right. Take care. Man, that was awesome. I love revisiting the past. <laughs> I could I could just sit in the '90s and just talk about it the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, that was, a, was. There's so many stories I wanted to bring up, but it just wasn't wasn't appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was cool. I mean, I never, like I said, the only time I ever had a chance to hang out with him or you know be close to him was in Chicago, and uh, I remember going to Michael Jordan's and then hanging out probably at Knuckles Sports Bar and maybe Excalibur. I think that's probably where we yeah. were at Excalibur nightclub. And uh, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, I remember them saying, you know, look, he's, he's going to attract all the girls. <laughs> yeah. I remember one night when we went to Excalibur and mm. he started off the night with, uh, he had a, he had in, uh, they're like red or yellow contacts. Okay. And I remember halfway through the night I switched with him and I took his contacts because, <laughs> you know, I was used to wearing contacts because okay. I had them. So I was like, dude, I'll put these in. So then I have, like, I'm wearing his fucking, sorry, red contacts. So. You could swear on the show. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. So <laughs> I got his red I got his red contacts in. And, so, you, uh, so you thought that would help with the ladies? I don't know what I thought, but <laughs> um, nothing really seemed to help me all that much other than talking. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's so stupid that we're, you know, talking to a about um, how good looking of a guy this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
let's just <laughs> maybe we should have. I, I gotta edit this out. He's a very good RC racer. Let's just let's just say that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's attracting the women, but yeah. Yeah, um, but anyway, like he's one of the rare people I've I've ever seen girls um, turn around to check him out, and and you know what. You know, the only thing, and, you know, this was a, 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 you know, what was fun for me in those days is I wasn't the, uh, I don't really know how you say it. They were much better at going out and being social than I was. I was kind of like, I would tag along and we would have fun. Yeah. Uh, But they were better at it. They were more experienced. They were better with girls they're better with people yeah they dressed um they dressed better i was just a t-shirt jean guy these guys were going out looking you know yeah i mean it was like they belong in the club it was a hobby you know right um a hobby inside of a hobby and it's something you have to get better at just like anything you know it was a it was a phase it was a and, and you know still today if you were to pick up and do the same type of thing you got to go through the motions man you got to do what's necessary um to to be in the game and that's how that was back then and they were really good at it and you know it was difficult because matt francis was you know in his own right he he had a a girls another one attracted to him absolutely and but the thing about him is he was also uh, he was a tall guy which was very um It was very appealing. to. I remember because I was there a lot. And it was very appealing because he was, in my opinion, girls always saw him as the guy that, oh, this is the guy I'm going to marry, you know. Yeah. And and then I would see when the girls would react with Brian, it was like, oh, this is the guy I'm going to be with tonight. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I'm, this is the guy I'm going to be with tonight. And Matt Francis, of course, had all the same type of qualities, but I think they always saw him as like, this is the guy I want to marry. You yeah. Know? That's how I Absolutely. used to explain, yep. explain some of it. But, um, Absolutely. but yeah, those were some good days. And, they were. Uh, you know, then he throws Scott Brown in there, who was kind of the mix of both of them, mm-hmm. um, which was funny. He was He was kind of in the middle of those two guys in terms of, you know, uh, physique and height and, you know, you know, his appearance, the way he would dress to go out. And he was kind of like right in between those guys. So he was really successful too. Um, <laughs> you know, and these guys weren't just good on the track, man. They were, they were good at, they were good at that too. And, um, it was such a different time. And like, is it, you know, I'm not out there today with you guys and you're traveling and stuff. Is it like that today at all? No, there's none of it. There's none of it. Um, there isn't any because what happened in those days is, you know, Brian at that point wasn't a, uh, to my recollection, wasn't really a, a, a paid racer. You know, he would get his travel paid. Um, but the, the whole professional racer thing hadn't really kicked in yet. And, um, and I think these guys today, when they're there, and, and then, of course, the, the ages are different, too, because we were probably in our early 20s doing that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 21, 22, 23. And, I mean, I mean, Cavallari, he won the fir- he won his first Worlds when he was 16. So um, right away, he's the world champion. You know, he doesn't really have time to go out because he's, he's you know, he's got race deals, pro contracts. He's got a, you know, he's got a, 
he has to deliver good race results because he's a a big time pro. So, you know, a lot of these other guys, sure, Matt Francis was a pro, he was a paid racer, but he kind of knew when to turn it on and off. Um, you know, Brian was kind of on the fringe of being probably a paid or a professional racer, so um, he could turn it on and off. Um, you know, Scott Brown, kind of the same. Um, but these other guys today, you know, they, they um, it's everything uh, for them. It's their whole career, and uh, they're expected to perform, and um, they know, if, you know, they can't be out uh, late at night. They take it extremely serious. You know, we've talked about, you know, the Mayfields and Cavaliers and these guys being emotional and having their moments. But it's because, man, they are so um, competitive. Um, Hmm. Definitely some of the most competitive guys I've ever seen. Um, I'm competitive about RC racing and, you know, company business stuff. But but these guys, their competition – spirit for rc is just it's like what they describe some of it's like what you i you know you hear they describe about some of the athletes you know that are just kind of killers that's how these guys are Mm -hmm. but that's how you have to right yeah absolutely yeah well such a different time it was uh it was fun it was awesome yeah, I mean, I remember, like I said, I remember building batteries at three in the morning after absolutely because I was just like, you know what? I'm like, you know, we would go out, we would do what we needed to do, and you'd be like, oh man, I I gotta build my new batteries for tomorrow, and you'd build your batteries and you'd go out and race and have a good race day still, and it's you just it's like those stories you hear about guys like Ric Flair and these guys who, you know. They can stay out all night. They can do whatever they want, and the next day they'll have an hour wrestling match. You know, and yeah. he's just got endless energy, and and uh, he could perform. And you know, that's how a lot of this stuff was. Is you 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 just fit everything you possibly could fit into one day, and you're like disappointed the day's ending. You know, you're like you're like oh man, you know, it's three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, I guess we're done. Ah, such a great time. Mm-hmm. Great time. I'm going down memory memory lane right now, Jason. I get really sad. <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool. Like I remember seeing Brian Dunbar race back then, and I remember traveling with my friend Brian Roder to some of those tracks. I never raced at CRC. CRCC. What's it called? <laughs> but uh, I yeah. never raced there at the. Um, Winter Champs, or whatever they call that. Um, it was the Winter Midwest Championships. Yeah, I I never raced at the Midwest Winter Championships, but I went there, and I, I went with my buddy Brian, and um, I remember seeing Dunbar there back then in the 90s, and it was really cool. And um, I remember seeing him have that GM, and like he was mentioning, GM was a company from Germany. Nobody knew about it. So I remember seeing that, and I remember going back to my local hobby shop, seeing if he can get the speed controls for them, and because um, it was something different. I always liked to, you know, even though I had a low C car, I always wanted to, you know, look at be a little bit different, especially on the electronic end of it. You know, everybody was running Tekken, and you know, I had Tekken and Novak, but also when I saw GM, I was like, you know, what is this? You know, 
you know, this guy's successful with it, so it was pretty cool. It was, uh, you didn't, like you said, it was only him and Todd Hodge, I think, with GM. Yeah, uh, that guy kind of, uh, for whatever reason, he kind of put his uh, eggs in that basket, as Brian said, and, and, and those guys delivered some great results. Yeah, real cool. Man, that was awesome to have Brian on. All right. Episode 186 in the books for January 3rd, 2019. I'm supposed to mention the date from a listener. That's right. Um, you can uh, head over to – you can do what Brian Dunbar did. Head over to patreon.com slash radio impound and support the show. And also his friend Jason Grimes went over there just now as we were recording and supported the show. So you can go over there, throw a few cannolis our way just uh, to say thanks uh, for what we do. We're not getting rich of, rich off of it, so uh, we're just uh, enough to, to ship out these prizes to you. And I think I get a, I got to get a few names to you, Jason. I think we have two names I got to get to you. Okay. That I uh, need to ship some stuff out that won uh, some race prizes. So you can go over there, sign up as little as one dollar a month. You can uh, get in a running for all these prizes that Jason brings back from. You know, he goes to these races, he brings back uh, some autographed memorabilia and so forth, and we give it away on the show. It's really cool. So uh, tonight we're going to do a WWE 2K19 on the PS4. We're going to give away two items that Jason has. Uh, I think you got some plaques. Yeah. Uh, and I think you have some bodies, bodies left that mm-hmm. we're going to give away. We're going to do two matches because we had good responses from the patrons. So we're going to do two matches. We're going to do a six-way ladder match. And uh, the winner on that, I stream it on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, Radio Impound. And uh, I stream it on YouTube, and then I also upload it to our Facebook page so you guys can watch it later. And um, the winner of those, uh, they, they win a prize from Jason. He ships it out to you. And uh, we appreciate it if you can take a picture with the prize. You know, don't be camera shy. Get yourself in there. That way I can prove that we're giving this stuff away. And, um, yeah. So Patreon.com. Big thanks to our the two new signups, Brian Dunbar and Jason Grimes. What do you think of that, Jason? Perfect. It's awesome. And uh, head over to jconcepts.net. Show them some love. They just did a video, right? You just did a video the other day on the, um, I really released it a few days ago, on YouTube channel. Is that J Concepts Garage? Or your, uh, you did the monster truck video, right? Yeah, what we did is we, um, we actually were going to do a live video. And we did a live video. It was on the two new uh, Chevy or the Chevy Chevelle body we were talking about with Brian. But, um, and then we did uh, we talked about some monster truck tires that we got. We did the live video. It was a total disaster. <laughs> oh, really? It had some problems with that? Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, Thomas Thomas touched the screen on his phone. Uh, the oh. orientation changed. Went to portrait. He, it was still showing. It was showing in landscape. I feel you, man. Yeah, showing in landscape. He was in portrait. He couldn't tell where even center of the screen was. Um, questions were coming in. He couldn't see the questions. Uh, the microphone quit working. Hmm. This uh, the gimbal he always uses is uh, maybe worn out and just would go limp. The camera, you know, the gimbal, you <laughs> know, limp. the gimbals, like, you know, that has little motors that keeps the yeah, thing. Absolutely. Uh, and it would just go and oh. it was just like fall to the side. So everything that one could go wrong went wrong. I feel so. Boring. I can't imagine I, I doing video. It. Can't imagine. I finished it. 
And I go back and I'm like, man, we can't keep this up. So I deleted it. Um, I tried to read, I screenshot the questions out of the preview and I'm like, all right, let's just record it. Rich recorded it uh, like normal and we uploaded it, you know, within 30 minutes and see that kind of covered. It was actually a little bit, actually it was a little bit better because we covered some of the questions and we were able to do it recorded and it was a little better quality and people got, so it actually has been pretty popular. That's good. And it went pretty well. Hey, you know from doing this show, you know, how many, you know, I've already recorded an episode and, you know, found out we didn't have any audio recording. And Yeah, it, it happens. It and, happens. You know, I was getting it's, messages from people that were like, oh, man, that was pretty unprofessional. And, you know, that looked like crap. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, man. I get that hard. every week from the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, we're not like, you know. Not pros at it, man. I'm not pro at it. You know what I mean? It's like we got a camera, we got some equipment. Of course, we got people that know what they're doing, but you have problems and you gotta. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like ad libbing the whole thing. Like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, we have a question here, and I'm just like, I couldn't. We couldn't see any of the questions, and I'm just like, you know, making it up. And and then later we came back, read all the questions, and was able to make up actual videos. It was actually funny. I was like trying not to laugh because so many things were going wrong, but um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. On Rich the is in the other room watching it, like cringing because he hates the live videos to begin with. And he's like, yeah, laughing his butt <laughs> off at us. And Thomas is like, just in agony with the camera. And I'm like, couldn't do anything. Cause I'm like trying to pretend like it's working. Yeah, we get questions in like, what you know, hey, do you do the show live and and you know with video and I have explored doing that and you know plus I have new gear right now that I might be able to do that if my internet, the internet service provider here in this town sucks, so it's 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 amazing that we could do the audio. Let's put it that way. And what, what and Jason knows when it rains here, it just creates hell <laughs> and we have a bad time recording. But yeah, you get all these issues. And I just can't imagine. So those guys out there that do live video um, in podcasting, whether it be RC or video games and stuff, and it's amazing. I, it's amazing what those guys do. So I can't right. imagine because you, you can run into so many problems, and we run into it, run into it with audio. And uh, yeah, so yeah, kudos to you. You got the yep. job done. You got the job done. That's what you got to do. Yep. Jconcepts.net. Show them some love for all that work that Jason did. <laughs> And go on his YouTube channel and check it out. And uh, there you go. And Carpies.com, um, Derek from Carpies.com got a hold of me and said he's redesigning the website. So because I know I had a few of you message me and said, hey, we can't find the shirts on there. Uh, that may be up. I haven't checked it yet. But uh, Derek said they were doing the website over. So that should be up soon. You can go to Carpies.com. That's C-A-R-P-Y-S.com. And you can get the shirts and hats there with the Radio Impound logo on it. So that should be up there. And stickat1racing.com. You can go there, get the logo there. BoomRC.net, get the logo for your decals and stuff like that. Put it in a car, take a picture, send it in to us. Show us that you're repping. And all the guys out there are repping already. I appreciate it. So there we have it. 186 in the book, Jason. Oh, man. We're getting there. We didn't get 200 by the end of the year, but we knew we weren't going to. But uh, That was tough. Yeah, that would be, tough that, to that would be too tough to do. 
Um, I forgetting anything else? I think that's that. I don't think so. I think we're I pretty good. So. Big thanks to Brian Dunbar again. That was really awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we can get some of the video that his dad has and maybe get it uploaded for him on YouTube. That'd yeah. be awesome. Done. I would love, love to find my 96 Nationals tape that I did with the camcorder. But not going to happen, I guess. I haven't come across it yet. So. All right, guys. We'll see you for 187. Uh, maybe next week. I don't know what Jason's schedule is. Are you traveling next yeah, week to any races? Look. Let me look here. <clears throat> I think I'm still home next week. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm still home next week. So, yeah, we can get another one in. And I know we had some questions in about Anchor because um, uh, we did some. We did about seven episodes on Anchor, and there were some issues with Anchor. They have improved the app now, so you can do fast-forward and rewinding and do all this other stuff. And the only other issue we have is uh, maybe getting Jason to not do it on Bluetooth because Bluetooth seems to cause a major delay in it. So we might try out Anchor one day again when Jason's traveling somewhere. And uh, just, you know, those are just like maybe 10, 15-minute shows. But you can head over, download the Anchor app, head over there. We have seven episodes up. You can just check that out if you want. And also visit our Discord server. Download the Discord app on Android, iPhone, and get in there with other listeners, and you can talk about this episode and more. Whatever you guys want to talk about, you can go in there and talk about it. we got a lot of people joining up, Jason. Really? So there's a good amount of listeners in there. And I see Justin Doyle just signed up, so thank you, Justin. Yep. So head over to uh, Discord, download the app. It's free. You can chat with us 24-7, and you can talk about whatever you want. You know, talk just RC, but uh, other listeners are in there. Maybe they can help you out with something. That is it. Radio Impound Podcast signing off. Catch you next week. See ya. Bye.